0: Young women have been growing up with an indoctrination of what womanhood is and what it should be. They've been taught everything that is in direct opposition to the Word of God. Young women who want to be different from the world are rare, but they are real. On this rare but real podcast, Audrey Brogy will often be joined by her daughter Grace Anna and her daughters-in-law Maureen, Kesset, and Marilyn, who desire to be discerning in a day when everything seems to go against God's design. Join them in the journey of becoming rare but real. It takes courage and conviction. And now, Audrey Broglie. Hey, I'm so glad you joined us for the podcast today. Recently, we had our World Missions Conference at Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. It was such a great event, so encouraging to see missionaries from all over the world whom our church supports come together for fellowship, encouragement, teaching, and refreshment. And one of the things we do is host a women's missionary brunch. My daughter Grace Anna and my daughter-in-law Kessid spoke to the women. Missionary women, wives, mothers, and women in our church attended as well. We all came together for the brunch. Maureen could not join us for this, but I'm so thankful two of my girls did. Anyway, their messages were so timely, so encouraging. They are for all women, no matter what stage, age, or season of life, and no matter where we live in this world. So these next two podcasts will feature my introduction and their messages. Anyway, I hope you will be encouraged. So today, you will hear from Grace Anna. You might be curious about Rare, but real, some of you know, a lot of you know, because you listen to the podcast that we started, what it was about a, a year ago? No, Thanksgiving. 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 a year ago, almost a year. Um, my daughter actually had been saying for so long, Mom, you need to do a podcast. You need to do a podcast. You need to do a podcast. I don't know how to do a podcast. And, and then, of course, we have such wonderful people in this church. Once again, our, you know, Rick Forstner is like the brains behind the podcast, and I am so grateful for him. But, um, But anyway... The title, Rare But Real, let me just tell you where that came from. It was um, two years ago, during the height of COVID, when, um, before COVID started, we were already planning. Some of the women had wanted, had been asking Claudia, asking me about if if my girls could come and share. They would love to hear from my girls. And um, and that, in, at the time, inclu- it was Grace Anna, Kessid, and Maureen. Maureen wanted to be here today, but um, she was not able to come. But um, the title came, we decided to do a, an event in the fall, Of 2020, and we kept it. We did it even with COVID, um, and it was so well received. And but the title came from a passage in Proverbs um, that in Proverbs 31:10, the verse says, and this is the passage on the excellent wife, and it says, an excellent wife who can find. And again, Proverbs 31 is is um, the mother of King Lemuel telling him. what he should be like. That's the beginning of the chapter. And then what kind of woman he should marry. And uh, he wrote it down. And, and verse 10 says, an excellent wife who can find for her worth is far above jewels. And it's, he asks the question, it's like rhetorical, an excellent wife who can find, you know, she's a rare woman, but she's out there. She's rare, but she's real. And that's just kind of like stuck in my head. And that's what, where the title came from because as I have raised my own daughter and as I have welcomed my daughters-in-law and now all my sons are married and they're all, in my view, very rare rare women in today's climate in terms of their heart for the Lord and wanting to walk with Him. and, And it, I don't know, someone, I was talking to Dee before, just a few minutes ago before we started, and and she was just saying to me, and it hit me because it's so true, that um, it's just so great at my age and having lived as long as God has blessed me so far to see these young women not only know the truth but walk the truth, live the truth, raising their families in the truth. And so that's where it came from. So I'm very... um, Um, honored that they are here today and so honored that when Vince, our missions pastor, and they're planning this missions conference, he, that was, it was his heart to have if the girls would come back and share with our missionary wives um, and missionary women um, what they shared uh, at that particular conference. So they're here. So with that said, I'm thankful for each of you and I'm grateful um, that you're here. And of course, it's my prayer that you, your hearts are going to be encouraged and refreshed after being here this whole week during our missions conference, but especially after being here this morning. And I do want you to know that you are so loved and you are so prayed for by the people of Community Bible Church. And I had lunch with one of our missionary wives who couldn't be here today because they were on furlough and they had to go back before our missions conference. But I had lunch with her a few months ago, and she loves serving alongside her husband. As she, I mean, she homeschools her children, and she helps her husband in ministry, and she really they their family models, biblical family life— among the people in the country where they serve. And we talked about so many things that day, but when I asked her how I could specifically pray for her personally, the thing she asked me to pray for was for her loneliness. And she wasn't lonely in her family, but she was experiencing loneliness in the country, and she wanted it to feel more like home. And, um, not just another country not just a country where they were serving cuz she loves the people of the country and and she knew that God had called them to live among the people and maybe some of you feel that way here today and i prayed for her and i pray for her every day and i pray for you god says in psalm 68:10 Excuse me, 68 verse 6, that he sets the lonely in families. And another translation says he makes the ho- a home for the lonely. And obviously, the first thing we think about and we should think about when we think about family is our flesh and blood families, whether it's the ones we were raised in or the ones we have now, because the family was the very first institution that God cr- established. It's the first thing he created. And he means for us to walk through this life in families, first as daughters, and then most of us eventually get married and have children. And then sometimes in his own way, he calls women to be single, yet he still sets all of us in families. And there are families all around us, and when God saves us, the most wonderful thing of all is that he sets us in the family of God. And so we should also think about the family of God. No matter where we serve, no matter where we live, God has set us in his family. Let that sink in for a second. That's how he views us. If we belong to him, we are his sons and daughters and he is our father. And so we have this family and then he provides for us all these brothers and sisters. And it's such a wonderful thing to be a part of the body of Christ. And God does not mean for us to walk through this life alone. Now with that said, I want to just briefly introduce you to my daughter and and my daughter-in-law, one of my daughters-in-law, and they're all my favorites. <laughs> but Grace Anna is a pastor's wife, and he, her husband pastors Capital Capitol Community Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. She serves alongside her husband in ministry as she helps him, and she mothers and homeschools her four children. And of course, she knows that the best way to disciple the women in her church is to first be devoted to her own husband and children, because what happens in the walls of our homes, that is the springboard for what happens outside of the walls of our homes and in our churches and in our communities. And then, of course, my daughter-in-law, Kessid, she's married to our oldest son, Jeremy, and he is an attorney in Washington, D.C. And she is also deeply committed and devoted to helping him and mothering and homeschooling her own children. And, they're both, and they have four daughters, and she too uses her gifts and her abilities, first of all in her home, but then in her church. They're very involved in their local church and of course in their community as well. So I know that you're going to be blessed by what you hear from them. I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of the way they model and the way they live out biblical womanhood in their families, in their churches, and in their communities. And they truly are such a breath of fresh air in this day in which we live when there's so much turmoil and so much chaos, especially among what people want to call women and what women are supposed to do. So with
1: that said. Thank you, Mom. I was thinking when you were saying that, Well, that's a rare but real woman talking right now to you guys. And as I look out on this room and think about the women here, I think about that as well. Women who are committed to serving in the mission field and what you do is just so um, honorable before the Lord and so different from what the world um, encourages women to do, to live for themselves. And so it's just an honor to be able to be here today to share with you um, some of the things that are on my heart. So mom talked about that we first called the conference a couple years ago, Rare But Real, and we ended up calling the conference that. And, you know, at first I almost had a hard time thinking of myself as that, Rare But Real, because I'm an ordinary woman with ordinary duties just trying to faithfully do what God has called me to do. I'm seeking to honor the Lord, support my husband, and raise kids who love and glorify God. And if you were to take a peek into my home... On a daily basis, you know, you'd see me trying to get up early before my kids every day. Um, You know, working through a math lesson with one of them, doing yet another load of laundry, somehow thinking that that will be the last load for a time. (laughs) It's just an interesting thing. Um, Unloading the dishwasher again, going for a quick prayer walk down my driveway and back, catching up on emails, or really any other daily task that, that may fill your day. It's ordinary, right? But is it? What is it that defines a rare but real woman? And so with that in mind, a couple years ago when I was looking into this, I did what any ordinary woman would do in the 21st century. I did a quick Internet search on rare but real woman. I just wanted to see what would pop up. And I got some real answers from the world pretty quick. So here is one definition I found on being a real woman. Say what you feel, it's not being rude, it's being real. Here's one on being rare and unique. I choose to stop apologizing for being me, for being me, I release negative self-talk, I love the person I am becoming. I believe in myself and my abilities. I deserve all good things. I am powerful. I accept myself unconditionally. I acknowledge my own self-worth. I am radiant and I am enough. And this one kept popping up in different forms. One of them said, you are enough. It is ridiculous how enough you are. Put that one on your bathroom mirror. (laughs) Another one said, women like you don't happen often. Never forget how rare you are. What's so fascinating about these quotes and memes is not just the fact that they are half-truth lies, which is the most dangerous type, right? But the fact that most women in our relativistic culture believe them. It seems like the majority of women think they are powerful enough and rare based on their own performance or their acknowledgement of their inner female power. But the sad truth is this, just repeating these captions to yourself doesn't make them true. You are not a rare and real woman just because you believe yourself to be. This is a shallow understanding of womanhood And any time you separate your value from the God who made you, you will always come up empty, because no amount of positive affirmation in the world can build up a woman whose soul is void of the God who made her. Being a real woman means that you understand who God made you to be. And you can only understand this and know your worth when you really know the God who made you. And that actually is a rare thing. It's not about what you do or who you think yourself to be. It's about who you know. See, when the world wants to figure something out, they start with the self and feelings. How does this make me feel? Who am I? What is my worth? And then they try to follow this line of reasoning, thinking it will get them to the truth. But that line of reasoning is a path to nowhere because it starts in the wrong place. We will never understand ourselves by starting with ourselves. A Christian woman knows that to understand who she is, she must start with God. And then and only then can she understand herself. I want to show you this really quickly by taking a moment to look at the very first rare but real woman. So if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 2. Or you can look it up, you know, on your phone. And we must start here with God to understand who God made us to be and our value as women. In Genesis 1, we have just seen the overview of creation. It is the big picture. And here in Genesis 2, we see the detail of God's creative work. Over and over again... In Genesis 1, God pronounces that his creation is very good. But in Genesis 2.18, God says something negative about his creation for the first time. It says in 2.18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And then I'm going to read on through verses 19 through 25. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man, and Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So we see here in these verses this unique and amazing creation of the woman. God brings these animals before Adam, most likely in pairs, and he would have seen the male and female companions. Something was glaringly missing from God's creation. God's creation was incomplete without someone. So God does something miraculous here. He puts Adam into a comatose state of sleep. The word used here means that he is almost put to death. And while he's in this death-like state, God pulls a rib from his side and uses this bone to fashion the woman. I've always loved this because God makes the man out of dust— But he doesn't go back to earthly elements to create the woman. He doesn't fashion her from flower petals or the morning dew. But he takes a solid bone out of Adam's side. And God doesn't do anything haphazardly. This tells us something about her purpose and function as a woman. She is made of bone, made to be strong, made to endure, made to work hard and withstand life's storms. But she is also made from Adam's side. She is made to walk alongside her husband in the journey of life. I love this quote from Matthew Henry. The woman was made out of a rib, out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, not out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him. Under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be beloved. Eve is rare and she is real, and Adam breaks forth in song when he says, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. What a wonderful gift to have this account of creation, to know that we were made by God uniquely as women, and to know that we were made for something. This word made that is used here in Genesis is an architectural word. The woman is intrinsically crafted to complement the man. Eve was made as Adam's is there. Some of your translations may say helper suitable or helper comparable to him. The woman is intrinsically crafted to complement the man. They are made to complement one another. She is to be his helper, his companion, his friend. And likewise, Paul echoes this in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians eleven eight 8 through 9. He says, For man is not from woman, but woman from man, nor was man created for the woman But woman for the man. So, with this account in mind regarding womanhood, I want to drive home two points that I hope will encourage you as a rare but real woman in the ministries God has you in. First, a rare but real woman knows the God who made her. How crucial is this point? How can we live as women serving God? especially in ministry, without knowing the Savior we serve. This, of course, begins in salvation. We are women who know we are not enough. We don't for one second believe all those quotes I read at the beginning. We know that we need a Savior, but we must continue to live this way We weren't saved by grace to then live the Christian life in our own strength or to do ministry on our own. We need God's grace every day. And because of this, we must never get away from the basics of our Christian faith. We must passionately pursue knowing God every single day. My mom mentioned Psalm 31.10, and it mentions this rare woman of character, an excellent wife. Who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. Who can find a woman who is passionately pursuing knowing her Savior every day? I've always been especially impacted by the story of Mary and Martha in Luke 10, 38 through 42. So I'm going to read that account you can turn there if you'd like but it's Luke chapter 10 verses 38 through 42 and I think this is always this has always impacted me just as I think about my home and my responsibilities but especially even now as a pastor's wife And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. As women in ministry especially, we can become much, very busy, with much serving, and we can be troubled about many things. How many times have you worried about the finances, worried about the stress load your husband is carrying, worried about the people in your church or community going through hardships and trials, hurt by criticism, worried you aren't doing enough? But we must heed Jesus' words to these women, to Martha. And never get away from the good part of knowing the Savior. We must love and be the teaching of the Word of God and be devoted to it. What does this look like? It involves knowing that just because we serve in ministry, we are never above the basics given to us in Scripture of what our souls need. You know, when I was a kid, I sat right over there and my dad preached three times for a period of time on Sunday mornings, and I came with him to the early service, and then I went to Sunday school, and then I came back to the third service, and I took notes. I think back on that, I took notes on both sermons and would save all those bulletins, but I never want to get away from that. I never want to get away from being eager to know the Word of God. So we need to have a hunger for the scriptures. We want to know it. We need the body of Christ. We need to live in community with other believers. We need to be faithful to sit under the teaching of the word when the pastors or teachers of the church are teaching. We need to pray often, pray big and bold prayers We need to cast all our anxieties upon him because he cares for us, and we need to immerse ourselves in the word of God. We need to read it. We need to listen to it. We need to be obedient, even when we don't feel like it and we don't know how it's benefiting benefiting us. To be used by God in any way, we must have offered ourselves up to him, completely trusting him Seeking him. Elizabeth Elliott said, You've got to turn yourself completely over to Jesus Christ, making an unconditional sacrifice. Secondly, a rare but real woman knows what God made her for. So she knows her purpose. We saw in Genesis that God makes the woman to be her husband's companion in life. They were to take dominion of the world together. Adam was to protect and to provide and subdue, and Eve was to be by his side. Adam was oriented to the mission, and Eve was oriented to her husband. Now, for women who are single, Paul lays out the importance of the gift of singleness in 1 Corinthians 7. He says that those who are single have been given a singular focus on the cares of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. So singleness is a gift given, whether for a long or short season, to glorify God without the responsibility of a husband and children. Singleness should be leveraged for the glory of God. Paul actually says In 1 Corinthians 7, 7, I wish all were as I am. So if you are single, you've been given a unique role to focus your time and energy into passionately discipling women and children. However, most of us will marry, and the majority of us in this room are wives of men in ministry. So I want to encourage you, if you are married, do not try to operate in ministry as if you are single, Because your primary ministry, as we saw in Genesis, isn't to the women and children in your church or on the mission field. Your primary ministry is to your husband and children in your home. And your mission field is before you, and it is ready for harvest. God made you uniquely as a companion to your husband. He knew that your husband would need you, your gifts, your talents, your encouragement. You know, when my husband became the senior pastor of our church three years ago— It could have been an overwhelming time because if I had thought of all the expectations that some people might have had for me or even the ones I put on myself, I would have drowned. But I remember my mom reminding me often that the greatest gift I can ever give the women in my church is to be a woman who is committed to be my husband's helper in raising my children. That being said, as the Lord allows, invest in the women God has placed around you. And one of the easiest ways to do this is to invite women into what you are already doing. Invite women into your time in the word. Do a Bible reading together. Serve alongside them in your church in various ministries and disciple women as you are able. But remember that being a rare but real woman means that you acknowledge your primary calling you know who made you, and you know what you were made for. And when we hold fast to these truths, we will be both rare and real. Let me pray quickly for Kesed. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for the women in this room and for the truths in Scripture regarding your creation of woman woman. And, Lord, I pray that these women would be encouraged in the ministries that you have for them and where you have them serving, Lord, that that they would um, be uplifted. Lord, and I pray now for Keset as she comes and shares that your word um, would be a blessing through her. In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed this episode of Rare But Real, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when a new
0: episode is posted. And share this podcast with friends. Follow Audrey on Instagram and Facebook at Mothering from the Heart and listen to all her messages on the Search the Scriptures app.